Yes, 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 yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of It's Not That Deep, bro. And we're back. Episode 3-6, hitting it hard. <laughs> How you doing, Olin? Wow. I'm glad to be back, man. We've had a, uh, we've actually like had a break, haven't we? We have. Like we, a week break. Yeah, we, we've took a week off recording. We're, we record these ahead of time, so we're, we're quite uh, a way ahead of what you guys are currently listening to. But this week, we've, uh, we have taken a break, and it feels good to be back, doesn't it, Martin? It does. It does. I've How have you been? thinking about this quite a lot. Oh, wow. What film are we going to watch? What's the Randy Master 5000 got for us this well, week? Well, let's like... Let's just do it. Uh, should we just go straight in? I think you should do the countdown. No. Okay. I just feel like it, you know? Fair uh, enough. Go for it. Five, four, three, <laughs> two, one. And the film we're watching this week is 1948, The Bicycle Thieves. The Bicycle Thieves. That's all I know, man. I just know the name. I well, I guess I do know that this film is meant to be really good. How long is it? It's an hour and twenty nine minutes. Um, we'll give you a director afterwards. Go find yourself the bicycle thieves, and we will see you on the other side. Peace out. <laughs> Bicycle Thieves. The Bicycle Thieves, yeah. You know what I'm saying? What is that film? <laughs> what the fuck is that film? What did you think of that film? It was good, but the, the climax at the end is just... What? That film was... He saw it, bro. He saw... You know what? Hang on, what do you mean he saw I'm, it? I'm going to let you... He saw it in the town, in the rain, that market. Somebody would turn it on and look at it. And then he was like... What, was at the raining. end? At the no. end? In the, like, middle bit. When they were at that market and it was raining. Yeah, I remember the rain in the market. Yeah, he's, like, you can even see in the camera, the seat was all fucked up. Like, he had it before. And what happened to it? Some guy put it in like a this thing to cover it up. Mm. Hang on, there you go. <laughs> cover it up. What do you mean, cover it up? Cover it up because he. I guess he was selling it because it was at the market. Somebody must have sold it to him. And sold it to who? What? <laughs> so the the guy who stole it must have sold it to him. Sold it to that guy at the market. Yes. 
Okay. Well, I'm going to have to see if that's accurate, what you're saying there, because that seems ludicrous for him to have not then gone and bought the bike or at least spoke to the man. Yeah, because well, it was raining. I think he, he sort of thought that he... It could have been like the bike. Because it's it kind of like it. hard to tell what f- like bike was which because the film's in black and white. You know what I mean? You could tell by the seat. That's how I, I saw it. But like I was struggling to tell what was going on with like the bikes and stuff just because it was in black and white and like there's no color and you can't obviously like but you can my- tell by the shape of things. But yeah. I feel like that would have been like a odd story thing to do if like. You know what I mean? Like, uh, for him to see it and not. It was because of the rain. Okay. Because it was sort of like, look how how much rain there was. And obviously somebody was like selling it, but because the rain came, he had to leave. So he put it on top of a this like, um, I don't know, but four wheel thing that took it in. We're missing the entirety of <laughs> the point here. Right. What's well, I, I mean, the, not the point. The We've not spoke about what this film is or anything. We've just dived straight into... No, that's... Look, that's us now <laughs> because <laughs> well, we're in it. They know what's happening. Okay? I guess, but... Our I've, listeners I, know I what's happening. I feel like we should speak about... Um, Oh, okay. Even if he did see the bike in the middle. Yeah. You you said what? The ending. Yeah. That's real life, man. I know it's real life. And I that's, know. I guess. Yeah, but not now. That film. Not now. Well, that film is a, a slice of life. And you get. At that age. And you get. Well, well, just hang on. Okay. I'm, I'm, going, right. I'm going against that. I'm okay. saying that it's a slice of life for today. On a moral basis, not uh, how okay. it looks. Oh, right, yeah. But you, you definitely get a slice of. It's nineteen forty-eight, so one of the first things I thought when we started watching it was like, <laughs> why is there just like barren wasteland like behind him? Like there's buildings, and then there's just like rubble, and like, but then it's like post-war, post-World War Two. Yeah. So like so... everything's like buggered, <laughs> basically. Um, which, and everyone works, even the kids. Yeah, everyone's working. Um, there's so many parts of this film that depend on it being 1948 in Italy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you said it whilst we were watching it, and I was thinking it all the way through. They fucking love bikes, bro. They well, love bikes. It shows the importance of the bicycle. Yeah. And how Bicycles important... Bicycles at that age... It, it, it meant a lot. Oh, mate. It because, was like... Well, it's your mode of transport. The whole... That's how he works. Better than sliced bread. That's how, like, bikes... He can't have sliced bread if he doesn't have a bike. <laughs> so... Even better than that, so... That, that was really interesting to see. And then you've got the way that he treats, like, uh, his child, I guess. Or just children are represented in this film. Well, I feel, I feel like that's not... That's more of, like... Not even just how he treats his child, but more of the fact, like, how men were in the 50s. Because even he treats his wife, or whatever she is, um, that way as well. When, yeah. she go, when he goes up to you, 
well, when she goes up to pay respect. The fortune for, teller. For the fortune teller. Mm. Yeah, so like, and then he treated her like, oh, I'm the man, just get here, or like, you'll get, I'll beat you up, I guess. There was that tone to a lot of it, and it, it did get me thinking about like the, uh, I don't know, the, what it is to be a man in that era and what it is to be a man now sort of thing. And I kept I kept wondering if there was going to be some, like, redemption for him. Like, when he went to see the fortune teller, I was like, oh, he's had to eat his own words now and he's at the yeah. fortune teller. And then when, after, like, hitting his son and getting frustrated, he, I was thinking, oh, is this all going to turn around in some way where he learns his lesson? And that is why I think this film is, like, a slice of real how life works with its ending because not everything works out in a fairy tale kind of way. No, of course not. Which, but some things do. I mean, if we're talking about the concept of the film, mm. obviously that wouldn't that wouldn't matter right now mm. because at twenty twenty one, somebody saw your bike that that well, could get it, back. It, if the film was now. yeah, but if if the film was being done in 2021, it would have a theme that would set that situation up of something that you needed to work have been lost. Yeah. That's all the film relies on. It, the fact that it's a bike is purely of of its era, sort of thing. Like bikes were just incredibly important back then, but to put it in another era, you'd have to change what was stolen, definitely. But then, but then 100%. the moral could still remain the same, sort mm -hmm. of thing, and. It really made me laugh. I was really. The way that he didn't apologize as well. Like every time he did something wrong, you're like. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, there was no redemption for it. Yeah, it was like, it's how men would be at that sort of era. They're like, I don't need to apologize. Everything I do, it goes. You know yeah, I mean? when he um, the f when he pulled her away from the fortune teller. He, yeah. He said um like, she didn't. Um, his wife said. She said that you'd find work within a week. And as he was pulling her down the stairs, he said, I didn't get that bike. Um, she didn't get that bike for me. I got that bike. I worked for it. I got this job. Yeah. So he completely undermined the fortune teller to begin with. Like, completely... Took her out of the equation. Yeah, she, she's not, you know, a valid source of information. Mm -hmm. Even though she was right. She was, and then by the end, he she got, he fucking goes in with his fucking tail between his legs. Well, it kind of shows where he he's a he's kind of like at a point of insanity for for his character by that point because he the fortune teller just says logic to him. She just mm -hmm. says, "Well, you're gonna find it this morning, or it's gone." I really like just how in it like there's an innocence around films like this that I really like. There's a certain I don't know. It's familiar. People are acting in like in ways that you've seen humans act before, so it's not completely alien, but the whole world is obviously so far back in time that a lot is different, but it's still coherent. There's a lot of old films that you can watch and you're like, what is going on here? Like, I don't understand why people are doing things, like the motivations of people, because cultures change and stuff's happening but this film there was enough 
heart and human emotion in it for it to kind of probably be watchable at any time in human history, maybe. If people can find a message. Yeah. It's like somebody like just decided to watch this mm. and didn't really think about anything that they consume as in from the media or TV. Mm. Uh, then they would just watch this and they'd be like, oh, it's just an old movie about somebody's bike getting stolen and they're not getting it back. Well, that, that is okay. that is what it is. Yeah, that is what it is. But like the whole emotional value that it has behind it is a lot like well more tr- more true to a sense of like oh i could relate to this i've yeah you can relate to it and i think it's interesting how a film in 1948 is kind of because like this is the same era that like pinocchio and snow white and a lot of these fairy tales the the film industry was still quite early on in its infancy and this film is already kind of doing... I guess this film is considered one of the best films ever because at an early stage, it's doing the the anti-happy ending. Yeah. Like, if cinema's meant to show fantasy, this film showed real life, and it was probably one of the first ones to, like, do... You know what I mean? Like, pull a move like that. Audiences would have probably been expecting, like, some sort of happy... When You Wish Upon a Star was, like, made around the same... That that whole idea of the happy ending was, like, born in this era. So for a film to, like... I I bet this was seen as, like, really risky back in the day. So it's, it's the best film ever because no, it has the... For... Like, well, it's... Uh, it's different ending to what it's normally... It's on a lot of lists that have that sort of title not as number one but it's always within like the the top or yeah or top 50 or whatever like it's it's in the conversation sort of thing why though and because you just because of the message you've got to factor in the time for when it came out and what was happening i mean it presented the world that was going you know i mean it was a very good like if they showed that Quite well filmed. I was gonna say it looked wonderful. Like it looked like all, all one shot. We might have to watch some other stuff from this era for you to appreciate how good that probably was. Cause uh, yeah, a lot of stuff from this era is not relatable in any way, yeah. and it, it is it's it's difficult to watch. Whereas this, quite there's enough there that is like enough human emotion and heart for it to kind of be watchable and today which going on nearly a hundred years that's pretty that's pretty impressive you know I like that I like that a lot yeah and I just wonder whether I don't know film gets riskier as time goes on, or uh, you well, you've got to take into account when this film came out, how risky that would have been. To have a ba- uh, an unhappy ending. Yeah, to end it like, because that would have made people well sad. 
Like to go to there was a, actually there's a line in the film that I've just thought of. The taxi driver says he when he sees the guy on the bike in the market, he gets in a taxi, doesn't he? Or like holds on to the side of it. And the guy in the taxi is saying is like making small talk to him and he says like what's he saying? He's saying about how he uh only gets a day off on a Sunday but nothing's open. So what's the point in having a day off? That's what he's saying. He's like, well, I go to the movies, but yeah, I don't like them. You know, that's not a taxi. Is that not a taxi? Who is no, that? That's like his friend. Is that his friend when they're going to the market? Yeah. To look in in the team. And then he goes, oh, take him to the other market. He's like, oh, what do I have to? And then he just takes him. Yeah, but that line about the movie not liking going to the movies, sort of thing, mm-hmm. might be a little nod to the ending that was coming sort of thing because it's not playing into the whole yeah. cinema yeah. thing which again is that's like a very small little link there but the, again it's 1948 so that it's pretty mad that this level of awareness though like i don't think there was a lot of awareness in like directing like watching the edward films think about that that's only like 10 15 years after this yeah. Ed Wood was making films and some of his films were like way less detailed and like in uh, in 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 its emotional scope mm-hmm. than this was cuz they just try to be horror they just try to be like I'm trying to scare you yeah and then or um, like I would hazard a guess that Orson Welles would be very aware of this film that we just watched and would be a, a a big fan. It's over that that's, side of the spectrum. Yeah, that's probably one of these like films that you went to watch as a kid. And like, oh my god, I need to make films. Yeah, probably. And I, again, this film's on lists of like fa- fa- uh, famous directors' famous favorite films. I've seen it on like Martin Scorsese's, and I think David Lynch speaks about it. I think even Frank Ocean. I've seen talk about this film. Yeah. Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean's got this book. When he released Blonde, um, the album, he it was going to be called Boys Don't Cry. That was the rumor building up to Blonde. And that never happened. But what did happen is he released a load of books. I can't exactly remember how it went down. They were like half magazine, half books, kind of like coffee table books. The, each one was unique. Or there was, like, so many different ones. It was mad. And they're, like, so rare now. They came in, like, this silver foil packaging. And some people have them unopened in the silver foil. And that is, like, big-time money you're talking there. Over 10 grand, I reckon, for one of them. Did they not sell them No, there, was only, there wasn't many of them. You, they appeared in, like, pop-up shops. And there was only, like, 100 at each shop. It was like really exclusive, and in these bu- How many books, did he have? it's it's like one book that's just different front covers, basically for these books. And How many different front covers? Though? I think it's like oh, I think it's a lot, like thirty, fifty, sixty, that sort of thing. Sixty. I think they're like unique. So each one is unique. In what way? Just because of the just the front cover, cover yeah. But not what the content is. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look into this again. But long story short, the PDF's online. So 
unless you're like a person that wants the physical thing to like have or show off or whatever i'm easy just reading the pdf and the book itself is actually really interesting because it's like i don't know kanye's got a poem in there that he wrote for it and it's all about mcdonald's it's like let me try and find it quickly because it is up <laughs> it is a an amusing poem if i just type in kanye frank mcdonald's poem i'm sure i will get yeah here we are kanye west writes poem about mcdonald's for frank ocean's boys don't cry magazine mcdonald's man mcdonald's man the french fries had a plan the french fries had a plan the salad bar and the ketchup made a band because the french fries had a plan the french fries had a plan mcdonald's man mcdonald's i know the french fries have a plan i know them french fries have a plan the cheeseburger and the shakes formed a band to overthrow the french fries plan I always knew them french fries was evil, man. Smelling all good and shit. I don't trust no food that smells that good, man. I don't trust it. I just can't. McDonald's, man. McDonald's, man. McDonald's, man. Them french fries look good, though. I knew the Diet Coke was jealous of the fries. <laughs> I knew the McNugget was jealous of the fries. Even the McRib was jealous of the fries. I could see it through his artificial meat eyes, and he only be there some of the time. Everybody was jealous of them French fries, except for that one special guy, that smooth apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's Kanye. Kanye's fucking crazy. That's Kanye's contribution. But mm -hmm. my point was is that in that um, book is like lists of Frank Ocean's favorite albums, favorite, all sorts of favorite different things. And his favorite films are in there. And it's like this big, it's like his hundred top films. And this is definitely on that list. Do you know what number? <laughs> I I don't know if the list is ordered like that. Okay. I don't know if it's like a, number one is the best sort of thing ever. It's just like a hundred films that he vibes with sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it's a human tale. It, it, it kind of reminded me of like Eraserhead, but it's only because Eraserhead, Lynch would have grown up in like this era. So like where, the style of it, like the black and white and... Uh, <laughs> This was post-war, where all the buildings were, like, demolished. And Eraserhead, he tries to, like, make a world that looks demolished. Yeah. And it, I mean, they both succeeded. And I was uh, trying to... I was trying to think about... Did you find, like, there were parts of... Well, yeah, this film that were, like, depressing. Um. Yeah. And all just, the, like... You see all the, like... People trying to get water and the way that they like mm. walked around with two massive like jugs of water all the way around, and you could see them struggling and stuff. And that. Which is it just made me think Crazy. about how life must have been. Well, was harder back then. 
basically. Um, which is always like, I I wonder if this film was just shot like on the street, like in life. Probably. It looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Because to like, m- to set that up, the scenes that we just saw with like actors mm-hmm. and a set seems bonkers, man. Seems like very difficult to do. It seems literally like they were just filming in like a market. But I don't know how filmmaking went down in 1948. I was thinking about like the rain scenes. What was the camera technology like back then? Because I know on film sets they'd like pour water from above out of like. Yeah, that's what they did when they were in the car. The car scenes, they were like. Because you could see. Simulated, yeah. You could see them on the fucking. The rain coming on the windshield, but you couldn't see it like on the screen. That's funny. <laughs> and you're like, what? primitive special effects. Yeah. But then there were certain scenes where it was raining, and it, I did kind of believe that it was real rain. Yeah. To an extent. Mm-hmm. So, um, as I say with quite a few films, this is definitely a film that I'm going to go and look into like the making of it and how if it was a production or what the budget was, you know what I mean? Mm. Just what the situation was. There's, it raised... What was the budget? Look it up. Yeah, we can check that. I've not even like name dropped the director. I should probably do that. Um, <laughs> that poet, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was that like... Sweet apple pie. Yeah, I was getting bored until I saw that last line and then I was like, oh, okay, he's coming through. Um, Vittorio De Caesar is how I would attempt to say that name. Directed this film. Neo realist. He's a neo realist. Well, that's what that film is considered a neo realist film. Neo realism, also known as the Golden Age, is a national film movement characterized by stories set amongst the poor and working class, filmed on location, frequently using non professional actors. Italian neorealism mostly films mostly contend with difficult economic and moral conditions of post World War II Italy, representing changes in the Italian psyche and the conditions of everyday life, including poverty, oppression, and injustice and desperation. I feel like we hit those bullet points pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. I feel like we identified like most of the all of that. Yeah. And I can probably say that I'm a fan of Italian neorealist cinema. Now, the golden age, you mean? The golden age. Call it the golden age. So, right, the official situation on the budget is that this film cost $81,000 or $133,000. That's just what it says. That's how much it made? No, no, no. That's what the budget was $81,000 or. One hundred thirty-three thousand. What do you mean? Or like that's it, just it's, what it says, man. It's either one or the other. Look. I... <laughs> What's that C- it says citation needed, which means there's no source for that information. That's probably because the bo- nineteen fifty-eight. <laughs> Forty-eight. Forty-eight. <laughs> I wow. don't know why I keep saying fifty-eight. Wow. I'm just seeing in the production if there's a. Uh... No, there's not even any sort of reference to that. I'll get, I'll message you probably late into the night at some point, and I'll just be like, the budget was this. 
It'll be like a week from now. Fair enough. I'll find that information. Yeah. Martin Scorsese says this is one of the 39 foreign films he'd recommend. 39 foreign films? Yeah, he's got a list, apparently. Um, I've never heard of any of these other... <laughs> apart from I have heard of Ken Loach. What did Ken Loach make? Anyway, I'm getting into my what I'm going to do when I what go to bed now. What are your closing thoughts? My closing thoughts would be that it's easy to dismiss a film when you see the words 1948 next to its title. Um, and that's probably a smart move because there was a lot of cinema made and always has been. Um, but I highly recommend that if you have the time, you watch The Bicycle Thieves because it uh, is still a story that resonates with the human condition to this day in in my opinion what are you what are, what are your closing thoughts martin italy really loves bicycles bro <laughs> that's my closing thoughts and i've been there many times but i think everyone i've not really seen the bicycle game <laughs> although there is a lot of like places you can't put bicycles there denmark got hella bicycles I know. We saw a lot there. Yeah. Amsterdam have a lot of bicycles. Yeah. These like European places. They yeah, love the European bikes. European countries. Yeah. I think that's why they switch to fucking um scooters. Scooters, yeah. I think the better statement would be the world relied more on bicycles back then. Yeah. I mean there was a there were a lot of cars, but you couldn't really afford yeah, there well, wasn't that many cars, to there be wasn't, fair. There wasn't that... Well, it, that's probably because there's, there weren't that many jobs. It was like a working-class area. Yeah. So only a few... You only saw a few cars in this film. A few selected ones, like taxis. Mm. But yeah, it, it's kind of short. It's sweet. It's... Uh, it's... Inoffensive. Well, I, ha, I, I, ha, I hesitate when I say it's inoffensive. It may offend you a little bit. I think this film's like a you, but it, it's definitely cut from the the time period that it came from yeah <clears throat> but other than that it's a thumbs up in my book i did like it yeah it's uh i'll, I'll give it a um five out of three <laughs> i like that rating system i like that rating system. it's ambiguous <laughs> <laughs> so yeah thank you very much for listening to it. it's not that deep um We've come to the end of another episode. That's right. Follow us on the usual social medias, you know. Instagram. LTD. That's just what you got to type That's in. That's right. To CV. <laughs> All right. I like what you did there. You know, catch us on Twitter, uh, Apple Music, Spotify. You know that website. Mm. It's just MIPLTD.org. Here's up there. Tell us in the comments what you thought about the film. Did you watch it? Are you going to watch it now? Tell us all. I'm lonely, so, like, speak to me. <laughs> okay. Please. All right. I try not to speak to him too much, just when I'm doing a podcast, really. It's probably better that way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, people. Thank you.